Hey, Coach. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Sean Stepner, WMAR, ABC Baltimore. With today's news about the Notre Dame game, how disappointing is it to not play Notre Dame and specifically not have them come to Annapolis? Well, obviously there's been a, a lot going on with all of that, you know, from the Ireland game to then being switched to coming here. Uh, I knew uh, Chet Gladchuk, our AD, and Jack Swarbrick, they've been in constant communication about things during this whole time. But then I think some, obviously, the with everything that's going on in the country and the pandemic and with the ACC and their new ruling, some things happened, some things changed pretty quickly. Um, so I know Chet was involved with that, and he kind of briefed me that there's a possibility, you know, there's that they, we might lose the game and they're still working on some stuff. So it wasn't out of left field, you know, and again, a lot of this stuff was recent, you know, just some recent uh, things that happened. There's a possibility, but it was still not a done deal yet. There was still a possibility that it could get changed or we could still have it. Still things were up in the air. So I talked to Chad a couple of days ago that they'd be having another conversation. Um, so you kind of you start to prep for that a little bit, but then just speaking with him yesterday, just talking that it was a no go. So initially that was you know that was a downer because you know we uh, it was a big game for our program. We love playing them. I don't know why they say that they, they they beat us pretty good, but we love playing against them. Um, and th so things just changed quickly though. I, I think things changed quickly though from the standpoint of we went from you know, the, the down of not playing Notre Dame here to, okay, where do we go from here? And just looking at our options and, I mean, we're excited, you know, to be able to play a really good football program that's got a national brand, a uh, really good team. You know, Coach Sataki is a good coach, good staff. And so it, it went from, you know, the, the down of not playing Notre Dame to quickly change, things change really quickly. And, you know, congratulations. I mean, my hat's go off to Chet. I mean, he he worked pretty quickly, you know, to get that done with BYU and Tom Homo. But, you know, we're, we're grateful. We're grateful that to be able to play this game on national television um, against a really good opponent. So, but it, it, the initial shock of it, you know, you're down. Um, but it, it, it changed pretty quickly. Chris Benini. Hey, Ken. Uh, Chris Benini from The Athletic. Um, with the American announcing schedule format, how important was it for you guys to have that so you could keep Air Force and Army on the schedule? No, it was, it was definitely important for us to get a game. You know, we want to get another home game. Um, but it had to be the right game, too. You know what I mean? We, we weren't just trying to – um, schedule somebody, you know, and maybe pick up an FCS game or whatever the case may be. I mean, the game had to be right for us. Uh, we wanted to play a really good opponent, uh, which everything that Chet and I were looking for, we felt like we got. Uh, you know, losing Notre Dame, we wanted to play a good program with the national brand. Um, we also want to play a program that we felt like – uh, we're doing everything in our power to make sure that not only their kids are safe and their program safe so that we'd be safe. You know what I mean? And so 
Um, sometimes some of the concerns is, you know, do, is, do the FCS programs, do they have the finances uh, to be able to, to do all the testing that's required? And, and I don't know that. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not on anybody's campuses, but I mean, it, you recognize that as a, the resources to keep your, your team safe is pretty expensive. You know, to do with all that is required to make sure that your program's safe. And so those are important things for us, uh, important things for Chet. So I'm grateful that Chet, you know, just like I said, was able to work this quickly. Um, but it was an important game, Chris, for us to get. And, and again, there are other options out there, but we felt like this was the best option for us. Not that, you know, that's going to be a tough game for us. We recognize that they're a really good team. Beat SC last year. Uh, beat Tennessee on the road, uh, beat Boise State, you know, over the years. I mean, they, they've had some pretty marquee wins last couple of years, beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin, beat Michigan State, beat Arizona. I mean, they play anybody and everybody. They play LSU. Um, uh, they play Pac-12 teams, Big Ten teams. I mean, they travel. They're not afraid to play anybody. Obviously, they're independent. But it's not like they they their their schedule of who they play their power five teams is pretty impressive. They 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 pick it up and go and play anybody. So believe me, they're they're not afraid to come and play the midshipmen. They've been in some tough places, so it's going to be a tough game for us. I, I know it was mentioned a couple of weeks ago the army game. Even if the season ends up getting canceled or removed, that you might still do that if possible. Is that something you would? still be open to if, if things take a, a bad turn here soon? Uh, what was the question that it would be canceled? Uh, playing the Army game at the end of the season, even if there wasn't a normal college football season. It was something Chet talked about a couple of weeks ago. Is that something you would be open to? I mean, all of our stuff on it, that was, that was going to be a goal because, I mean, the NBA, you kind of see that they're doing well with basically having a bubble, so to speak. And, um, you know, besides – you know, the coaches leaving and stuff. I mean, there's no better places for creating a bubble than the service academies. I mean, our schools are surrounded by a gate with guards with machine guns, you know what I mean? And so, um, I mean, there's, I mean, if, if there's any place that could create a bubble with the service academies. And so, I mean, we've, we felt like that game would be a safe game as far as keeping everybody involved safe, because that's always a top priority. We want to keep people safe, and we feel like that's the game that you could do that. You know, you could control a lot of the variables and mitigate a lot of things. And, and so if that was the only game that was going to play, you know, in all my discussions with Chet, we were going to play it. You know, and I, I didn't really talk to Army. I don't know, but I, I'm, I know they're under the same assumption. Now, if there are some things about where we would play, um, you know, and who would allow us to play, I don't know any of that, but we would have found a place if, if it, wherever it's been. And I, I, don't, I haven't really thought that far down the road. Um, we just found out yesterday who we were playing. So, so who our first game was, so I haven't really thought that far down the road. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. You're on mute, Scott. Sorry, Todd Carpenter. Hey, Coach. Thanks for doing this. Um, switching gears a little bit here. Um, your defense made some really big strides last year, and then you got a guy like Diego Fago who's already on a bunch of watch lists um, and entering the season. What do you see the next step is for him and your defense overall this year? 
Well, the great thing about Diego is, um, I mean, he's an NFL-type linebacker. I mean, he's 6'3", 240, 245. He can run. He can hit. He's smart. And I think because of all of those tangibles, it's going to allow us to continue to expand the pack. The thing I'm excited about our defense was, I mean, Coach Newberry is so creative. I mean, I, I mean, I have no idea the things we do on defense. I mean, he's, he's so creative. He's a creative type of person. He hasn't even put in all of his stuff. You know, it was his first year, so kind of, I don't want to say he started the base. I mean, he put a lot of stuff in, but there's, with a guy like Diego, you're able to expand a little bit more and continue to add stuff to the package. Because not only can he handle it mentally, but also from a physical standpoint, I mean, he's more than a box linebacker. I mean, you know, I mean, he obviously can't play in the box, but he's, you know, he's athletic enough to do other things. So it gives a guy like Lou that's creative and what he does with the pieces on the defense to be able to come up with different schemes, different blitz patterns, different coverages. So I think this year I'm excited. I'm excited because now this will be the second year of our guys in Coach Newberry's defense. You know what I mean? So that's going to be a great plus for us. And then when you have the guy at the center of your defense coming back, and he's uh, not only, like I said, not only is he a physically gifted linebacker, he's super smart. He's a, his, his football IQ is really, really high. And so that allows us to kind of tinker with things that you normally wouldn't tinker with if you didn't have a, uh, a linebacker with that kind of football IQ. Thank you. Dave Ginsburg. Hi, Coach. Dave Ginsburg, Associated Press. Uh, tell me what the challenges are uh, in, in getting a team ready in this environment. And you talked about the bubble. Is it perhaps easier at Navy than at other schools because there is sort of a confined space? Yeah, I think the thing is, you know, because I talk to a lot of coaches, everybody's got really good plans you know, at their facilities, at their lifting, their run. I mean, everybody, you look at what everybody does. I mean, it's everybody spent months and months listening to doctors and, you know, what's the best way to keep people safe and all the testing. The hard part is when they, when they leave the campus. You know, I mean, that's the hardest part, just trying to, you know, control that a little bit. So at least here at the academy, and, and it's, it is tough for our guys. I mean, you know I mean, because – I mean, our guys want to get off the campus. Our guys have been here pretty much a lot of the summer once they're allowed to come back or when they did come back. And so our guys have been on campus longer than everybody else. So you know, hopefully they can get a break a little bit. Maybe we can take them somewhere where it's a little bit of a controlled environment because that's hard. But I feel like we are able to control things a little bit better. But it's going to be hard to get ready for football. We, you know, we've been having several meetings. I mean, it, what, I mean, this track of time, it's August. But we've been meeting since March, coaches in our conference, coaches throughout the country, meeting with your doctors, meeting with people, uh, meeting with your trainers, formulating protocols. When people come, obviously people have instant, um, installed it, but now you're going to the next phase of playing football. That's hard. And so we're talking about all the things and, um, and how do you do drills uh, when you're, you know, your face is next to somebody else. Uh, we're trying to keep social distance as much as we can, you know, try to spread out our practices, spread out our people. We're having to be really creative on our drills, and we're just, we're all figuring this out, though. 
I mean, there's nobody, it's not like you can call somebody, you know, hey, do you remember when you guys did this? We're all figuring the drills out. We're at the phase now doing certain drills. I mean, how do you practice drills and play football where you can be safe? Just taking everything into account. And I think we're getting closer to that. I think the things that we've heard from the doctors and we feel good about, you know what I mean? And the mask and less than 10 minutes and, um, but I see, you know, with the testing, you see basketball, because I've seen my question to our trainers, you watch the NBA, so they're playing basketball, you watch the basketball, the basketball looks like basketball. I mean, it's not any different. It's not like they're playing, you know, uh, a different style of basketball. The NBA, they're playing. But then you see them go on the sidelines, their, their benches are spread apart, their seats are spread apart. And so I was like, what's the sense they're, you know, they're playing 45 minutes and they're exchanging body fluids what's the sense of going and doing that but you know with all the testing and different things when you can mitigate that you do you stay separate and then when the things that you can't you're able to come together but um that's all required after the testing though you know all the which everybody's doing you know and i think some of the things that they added would be great to have that 72 hour testing prior to competitions that everybody's required to do you know what I mean? And I think sometimes the coaches and maybe some of the institutions take some bad raps because nobody's coming out and saying what their plan is. But believe me, nobody's going to put, we're not trying to put these kids in harm's way. I mean, all of us are looking at things over and over and over. You know, why you guys, been? Th- I mean, we've been doing this for months, trying to look at the best way to keep pe- people safe. And we also recognize if it doesn't, if things go, we'll shut things down. I mean, I, I don't think there's any president or any AD or any coach that's not willing to do that. But there's been a lot of meetings with different doctors and different people to try to do things right. But uh, it's going to be tough, but, you know, we're trying to figure it out, listening to the advice of our trainers and doctors, and we'll see what happens. John Schofield. Coach, thanks. Um, you mentioned before, you know, that they settled on BYU. Can you say without violating any confidences who the other teams were on the potential menu? Yeah, and I don't want to say settled because they're they're good. You know, and I know you didn't mean that. You know what I mean? But uh, don't don't give those guys bulletin board material, man. That's a good. They're a good football program. So I wouldn't say settled. We were looking for the best option for us. You know, and um, you know there. I, I don't know all the schools that Chet was talking to. I mean, that, I mean, just think about what ADs, these are normally, these schedules are normally years in advance, you know, preparing for these schedules. And here's Chet and all these other ADs. I mean, it's, I mean, everybody's got problems now. Everybody's got issues to work with, but ADs are scrambling, trying to, you know, fix their schedules within days. You know what I mean? And normally they're able to work these out years in advance uh, with, you know, months of negotiations. So you got time frame. So, you know, but now they're kind of scrambling. So um, there are some FCF schools, there's some power five schools, uh, but, you know, the home and away and different, there, there are a lot of different factors that Chet had to deal with, but with everything, considering everything, I mean, this worked out the best for us. Obviously it looked like it worked out, you know, for BYU, what fit for them. But, you know, we're excited, John. I mean, it's going to be a tough challenge, but we're looking forward to it. So quick follow-up. 
have you ever had a situation other than like a conference championship game where you only have 30 days now to prep for a big team like that? You know, usually at the beginning of the year, you know, the 11 teams that are on your schedule, you might only have one week in between games to really prep, but is this kind of the most unique thing other than a conference championship game you've ever had? And then how are you going to prepare in the next 30 days? Uh, this is everything's been unique to everybody just from we didn't know how you know we were trying to practice a little bit get ready but we didn't know when our first game was so you couldn't burn your guys out I mean it's not like you can start going full bore for two months and get ready so we didn't exactly as of late I mean originally we knew it was Notre Dame but within the last couple of days with all the things that happened with some of the other conferences things kind of went in haywire a little bit but then you're kind of up in the air. You don't know who your opponent is. You don't know when you're starting. So it's hard to prepare because you don't know the end date and you don't know who the opponent is. So that was really difficult. So we were kind of treading water a little bit, you know, just doing general things, stay in shape, lift, run, practice general things in our walkthroughs. But you didn't really know who your opponent was. You're thinking it's going to be Notre Dame. But at that point, there's a chance that it may not be them. Uh, so just within the last 24 hours with this, with this decision, with this new announcement, now it allows us to go forward now. Now we can press forward. We know who our opponent is. We know it's BYU. We know it's on this date. We know it's here. Now everything, it went from um, kind of you're, you're treading water a little bit where now you're sprinting. <laughs> so it's, uh, we're, we're scrambling a little bit. You know, fortunately I have a really good DFO, Brian Blick. You know what I mean? And he's he's running around, getting things situated now. But, um, you know, unfortunately, I had to spring on him late because we didn't know what we were doing. So we were just kind of generally doing things. But now we can start being more specific. Now we can start being more detailed in our preparation. We know who our opponent is. We can start to get ready for them. So it gives us a vision. You know what I mean? Like I said, it was kind of like battling, preparing for a battle. You didn't know who you were going to fight. So you don't know their style. You don't know any of that stuff. So I, um, I hope that makes sense. So now it allows us to get ready for our opponent, and we know when we're playing them. So it gives us great clarity now where to press forward. The, other, the, 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 the uncertainty is the other part, just how do we practice? <laughs> we're, we're still figuring that part out. How do we do the COVID-19 uh, football practices? Uh, you know, that we'll figure that one out on the run. Scott Abraham. Hey, Coach Scott Abraham, ABC7 and DC, hope all is well. Um, obviously, when you think of social distancing in sports, football uh, doesn't really kind of fit that bill in a sense. And, but there's, there's people out there that are very excited for the upcoming season. But then there's also people out there that think this is, this is kind of crazy that the college football season is going forward. Kind of take your bias out of the picture here. Why do you think – this is the right thing to do, Coach, to go forward in this COVID-19 climate when there's still a lot of positive tests. And you look at Rutgers, for example, with a big outbreak with their football team, something you're probably concerned of with your own yeah. football team. Why is this the right thing to do to go forward with this football season? No, it's a great question. I mean, it's a great question. Uh, you know, just, you know, we're all concerned for the, the safety of our players, safety for us, safety for our families. Um, I think, you know, like you said, but this pandemic did, just didn't just start. So it's been on for a long time. There's been numerous discussions. 
you know, talking to a lot of professionals, talking to a lot of doctors, a lot of medical people. I, I, I think, you know, the general public just thinks that people be kind of reckless. Think that we're not. I don't think that's been the case. I think everybody's doing their homework. I think we're starting to find out, obviously, that I, people feel pretty good about their protocol at their facilities. Um, the hard part, just, you know, with people going home, uh, that's, you know, you're looking at those kinds of things. It's a little bit easier, you know, if you have a bubble. But I kind of, you know, I take hope in what do you see with the NBA, you know what I mean, that they've been able to play. I mean, baseball is a little bit, there is some contact in baseball, but not much. Maybe you tag a guy's leg or something, I don't know. But uh, I don't know, maybe touching the ball, you know, um, throwing it. But basketball, I mean, you have to touch people and you're sweating. And so you see some of that, but I know they're, I think obviously they're in a bubble. So there's nobody else coming into their bubble so they can kind of self quarantine. But just everything that you hear, everything that you hear from the, the people that we've talked to. And again, we're on a lot of national calls. I'm part of the AFCA board, I've been on national calls, national calls with coaches, national uh, calls with doctors. And they tell us all these guidelines. If we meet this, we can still be safe. And if they don't, you know, um, you don't do it. We've had some tough, um, candid conversations with our players and our team. And I, I, I can't speak for other guys, but, you know, I've already talked to guys, hey, if you don't feel comfortable playing, by means, do not, uh, I mean, do not, do not play. Nobody's, you know, forcing you to play, and I want you to feel comfortable. We talk about the things that we do. Our players know we, what we're doing. I mean, we've been in our practices. I mean, you come to our practices, Everybody's in masks. We're all spread apart. We're um, we're still in our pods, and so we're trying to you know we practice basically four squads. Uh, our teams are separated. Certain people can't cross contaminate, uh, and you know we're still trying to figure out how to do some of that stuff to keep people separated. Um, I guess it's kind of my point. We're taking every precaution. We're not being reckless about it. We feel like there's a lot of people that want to do this. We kind of feel like you know there's Obviously, we want to be safe, but I feel like, you know, football is something that, I mean, will give us some hope for the future. But we don't also want – we don't want to be reckless, too. And I just uh, – you know, I know there's been a lot of things that have come out with certain demands, and those are fine. Because if they realize that the demands – I mean, I mean, those are all being met. And if they're not being met, then whatever the school is, they – I mean, it's on them to make sure that they're meeting the demands of the players – and it's the same thing for us. If there's something that it's not being met, hopefully we're meeting it. Uh, I feel good about our standpoint from the standpoint of not only we have the NCA guidance, the uh, our confidence guidance, but we also have the military. So the military's protocol is pretty strict, pretty stringent. Probably a little too tough. Like I said, our, our poor guys, they haven't left the academy. So we're kind of in our own bubble but our bubble doesn't look like uh, Disney World in Orlando, wherever the NBA is at. You know what I mean? Annapolis is a – the academy is a beautiful place, but it doesn't look like that. So that's – you know, that's kind of where we're at. But it's a great question, Scott. I mean, I, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just a person. You know, everybody has their opinion. Uh, but I know we're doing everything in our power to keep our people safe. I know our medical people are doing the same thing. And – uh, if we can keep people safe, that we can bring back a national pastime to lift people's spirits, so to speak, and keep people safe, we're going to do that.
And if we can't, I'm all for it. Let's shut it down. You know what I mean? But I mean, but those are just my thoughts. Steven Ruiz, and I muted you. You're still muted. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hi, Coach. Steve Ruiz with the Ameriforce Media. Uh, I'm working on a couple of stories I wanted to ask you about. One is about uh, Coach uh, Jasper. Uh, I know you, you go back with him back to your Hawaii days, and, but I wanted to talk to you about when you took over as coach at Navy. Uh, I spoke with him a couple of days ago, and he mentioned that he had a chance to go with Coach Johnson to Georgia Tech. What do you recall about that period and conversations you, you had with him about staying on staff there with the midshipmen? Um, how do you put that? Because in our mind, Johnson is Yoda of option football. I mean, he's the premier elite uh, coach in, in football. So we're – Coach Jasper and I are like the two Jedi Knights, you know what I mean? And so I was going against Yoda to keep him, you know what I mean? And so it was tough. I mean, obviously, if he would went with Johnson, I would have understood. I mean, we both learned from Paul. Uh, we're both disciples of his as far as this option, offense goes. And so it was two recruiting going on. So it's kind of funny because, I mean, like I said, Johnson – Coach Johnson's my mentor, is also Ivan's mentor. And so, you know, uh, trying to recruit against your mentor is tough. And it, like I said, if, if Ivan would have went with Coach Johnson, I would totally understood that if he had gone inside the road. You know, I was just trying to I – was, I was grateful that he stayed, you know what I mean, because he's been a huge, huge part of our success here at, at the Naval Academy. I mean, you just look at all the quarterbacks he's coached over the time. It, it's it's remarkable. I mean, just everybody that he's coached. Dude. But it was it was it was uh it was tough. It was an emotional time because, like I said, Coach Johnson is both of our mentors. So to have to recruit against Yoda as one of the Jedi, I'm just grateful he didn't use his lightsaber on me or anything. But I guess Yoda doesn't use lightsabers; he used the first. But, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, well, I'm grateful he stayed. Coach, I also wanted to ask you about the Players Council on Racial Inequality uh, and your decision to, you know, uh, empower Coach Coach Green to go ahead with that and and start that. I was just wondering, was was there everything that was going on in the country at that time? Was there one event that kind of solidified in your mind that you wanted to do this, or was it just everything going on uh, regarding racial injustice and, and social unrest that kind of made you think that was the right way to go? Well, it started with the George Floyd deal, obviously. It started with that and just everything that happened. And I remember a lot of people were coming out with things and sayings. And I was just, I remember talking to my youngest son, Ali, and he said, Dad, are you going to say something? And I'm not a big Twitter guy. I mean, I'm like, I, I know we don't say anything. And he's just like, Dad, do you think you should? He goes, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I mean, I, you know, I, there's a lot of issues in the world. I, I don't comment on things. And I said, Dad, I think you should. And, then, and I thought about, you know, he's right. You know what I mean? The the majority of my players are black young men. And, you know, I've been coaching at the Naval Academy 23 years and probably been involved in uh, bringing more, or not me personally, but been involved as a group in bringing more minorities and black young men to the Naval Academy than anybody that's probably ever lived, you know, in 23 years. And so... You know, just thinking about our players, I thought it was the right thing to do. Obviously, 
what happened with George Floyd was horrendous. And, and just, you know, and just so what I did is, you know, I just opened it up to our players just to kind of see where they're at. Cause um, obviously we knew it was a horrendous event, but just to open the floor. So when it happened a couple of days later, we had a team meeting just to let them voice their opinion. And then we started to realize, wow, there are a lot of um, emotions that came out. And so, but I wanted to be more than a tweet. When I knew when I first started, I didn't just want to tweet something. I wanted to be real. And so we, we did that. And from that, we said, okay, we see where our players are at. Our black players and the white players wanted to help. It was a really great meeting. Our other guys of other um, ethnic groups wanted to help out. Then we decided to create a, a council because, you know, the Naval Academy, I still say, is the greatest leadership institution in the world. So we created the council and I knew that there would be no better director of it than would be RB Green. So, you know, he was named the director of this council. In our mind, I thought, I think it was the first one ever established in football. But like I said, it wasn't, I didn't really care about tweeting it out. It wasn't, you know, trying to get on the media or anything. It was just, I wanted to help my players. I want to help them uh, voice their opinion. How can we help them? And then how can we do change? What can we do to create change? And then they've taken the ball and just ran with it. We just had a, a round table last night with several different police commissioners from our area. I mean, and, and police law enforcement people, it was awesome to our meeting. Um, so there's a lot of great things coming from this department, from this council, but it's all attributed to RB Green and our players. Thanks, Coach. Best of luck. Thank you. Scott Wyckoff. Hi, Coach. Scott Wyckoff from WBAL Radio in Baltimore. How important is it for you not to get frustrated with not really being able to do everything that a coach wants to do before the season opener? You didn't have the spring practice, and now you have limited practices. It's natural to get frustrated by that, but how important do you think it's going to be for you to keep it from not getting that way as you move over these next four weeks in camp? I really believe the coaches, and just, you know, take it from a coaching standpoint, I know there's a lot of bigger issues, but in football and coaching the teams and the coaches that are going to be able to adjust their coaching to COVID-19 coaching are going to be the most successful people. You know, for coaches, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, a lot of people are, but coaches are creatures of habit where a lot of us are control freaks. We like to control our environment. I mean, there are a lot of things that you're going to have to change. There's a lot of ways you're going to have to practice are going to change. There's going to be a lot of things. Drills are going to have to change. The way you drink water on the field, the, uh, the way you warm up, the way you dress, how you dress, how many people are in the locker room, just all those things. We just, you know, we watch a lot of things. If I see something on YouTube or another team or organization, do stuff, we always watch it. Or if when we talk to people, we see if we can gather ideas. And uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had a really good thing on, you know, and I think it was kind of conquer, adjust. Uh, I mean, but it just showed them what they're doing in their protocol, and it was amazing. Just all the things they did. So it just kind of makes you look at things. Okay, guys, here are the things we have to do to adjust. Look at the Super Bowl champs and all the precautions that they're taking to do things. Now, we don't have their kind of money to put plexiglass in between every locker room and stuff like that but um just to look at ideas and i think the tough part in all of this god is just 
we just have to look at what people are doing. Uh, we have to adjust. And I think the teams and the coaching staff and the players and the team, just programs that are able to adjust the best are going to be the most successful. But if you're able to say, you know, if you, it doesn't do any good to complain about things. Um, I mean, that's everything, not just football, but just in life. I mean, our world's in a pandemic. I mean, our, I mean every country. So we just try to look at what you can do the best uh, and try to um, and just make the best of it. You know, don't complain. You know, listen to the doctors, listen to the, the scientists, the medical experts. Come up with your best plan and do the best you can and kind of go from there. That said, what's your biggest goal if you have the whiteboard uh, around the corner from what we can see, the biggest goal for you and your staff over the next four weeks? Well, first of all, get in football shape. You know what I mean? Because we're like early part of July, like I said, we were quarantined. Couldn't really run it. Then, you know, you're, you're running long distance, get ready for a PRT. But the PRT is, you know, the, a long distance run, a mile and a half run is not football. I mean, our game is a quick, explosive game. And so get ready, get ready for football shape is our, probably our biggest thing. Um, Got to find a quarterback. <laughs> but it would be nice to have spring ball. But like I said, like you said, we didn't have it. So we've been having a lot of meetings. We just started our walkthrough phase last week, so that was good. You know, we can start in our practice phase to, uh, tomorrow. You know, so we're, we're excited about doing all that. And um, we just continue to build our team now. I, f I feel a lot better, though, now, because we know who our opponent is. We know where we're playing. We know who we're playing and where. And then we just start attacking it the best we can. But trying to customize drills for skills that are essential to winning, that's the key to coaching right now. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thank you. Jay Drew. Hi, Coach. Jay Drew from the Deseret News in Salt Lake City. Um, Hi, Jay. Hi, Coach. Out here, we're very familiar with your ties to BYU. Your son played here. Uh, what, uh, what, what effect did that relationship that you have with BYU and those ties have on setting this game up? Well, um, Mr. Gladchuk was – our AD did all of it, and I'm sure he talked with Tom and – but I think just knowing who BYU is, I mean, who their program, what they represent, um, I know that they would have the resources to test. And I knew that, you know, kind of the question back to Scott Abraham, you know, I mean, hey, you know, you're putting your guys in jeopardy. I didn't want to play a school that I wasn't sure, I and mean, none of us did, nobody at the academy did. But we wanted to play a good football team that we knew that they were doing all in their power to keep their guys safe, that they're testing, that their protocol was, was strict. And I knew BYU would be that. And so I guess for me, the, the biggest part was they fit everything that I was looking for. You know, Chet had similar ideas, but I want to play a really good football team uh, with a, a national name, but also a team that I, I, you could feel safe playing them. had the resources and the wherewithal to bring a football team to Annapolis that would, would keep ourselves safe, but also keep our people safe. That was also preeminent. So those are the two factors, a really good football team and keeping us safe. And what I knew of BYU and who they are, um, I knew that that would be the case with them. I knew that they would, that their players are being tested and I know they're a good
Any follow-up, Jay? Uh, my only follow-up is obviously BYU is an independent. They don't have a lot of friends in the college football world. Do you feel like maybe you were kind of this was a token of friendship or kind of like reaching out that that and kind of letting BYU know that hey, there's someone out here that's willing to help you out because they've had six games canceled, as you know. Well, yeah. I, Because I mean, it, it, it also really keeps something. You know, you're you're you're. Little, um, so you're concerned because they're a really good football team, um, but I think I think Jay, that your question is a valid one. I mean, I I know their program. Uh, I know that their guys are going to be safe and they're going to be healthy and tested, and I know it'd be a great challenge. Obviously, I know Kalani. He's a great man, great coach. Uh, no guys on their staff. One of the guys on their the recruiting coordinator is actually my best friend, my childhood best friend growing up in Jack DeMooney. I know Tom Homo. But with all of that said, I had nothing to do. My Mine was just a suggestion to, to Chet. As the Notre Dame game fell through, we just kind of brainstormed last night some thoughts. And, you know, then I brought up BYU because I felt like they fit everything that we're looking for. And then Chet went to work. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he 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 got off the phone and said, got it, I'll get back to you. And lo and behold, got a couple te a text a couple hours later saying, hey, it's on, you know. And so he, he worked really quickly with, with Tom. And like I said, but I don't know how that negotiating part went through. I was not a part of that. I was just a part of my discussions with Chad and discussing who would be, you know, good opponents for us. Thanks, Coach. Mitch Harper. Hey, Coach Mitch Harper, uh, KSL Sports in Salt Lake City. Uh, just curious, you know, have you thought about maybe just the emotions that uh, – or what it could mean for the Polynesian community to have two Polynesian Latter-day Saint men, uh, you know, coaching on the sidelines uh, in this game? I think it's pretty sweet, you know. What I mean, just you know, of, you know, talk about diversity and minority. I mean, to have two Polynesian young men, we're both from Laie, you know. what I mean, so if anybody's ever been to Laie, that would even make it more remarkable. Just <laughs> how small the town is, you know. So to have you know Kalani, you know, the head coach at BYU, and okay. me coming from the Naval Academy, and we're uh, we were both. Uh, you know, raised there, you know, Connie a little bit in his childhood, but then moved later on. But we were both raised there. And I was, I came there uh, in, in middle school years and was raised in Laie. But I think it's really cool. Um, you know, he's done a great job there. It's exciting. Like I said, I know a lot of guys on the staff. Um, actually, uh, my son, uh, my son is married, and his uh, my son's uh, brother brother-in-law actually plays on the team too. So there, there's a lot of close ties in this game. You know, what I mean, like I said, Jack DeMooney, the recruiting coordinator, uh, is was my best friend growing up. So it's, it's um, so it's, it's it's this is an exciting game. We were you know, Kalani and I were texting a little bit earlier. This is a uh, you know all all Laie. 
you know, championship game and all of us, you know, we, we grew up as basketball pickup junkies, you know, many hours playing pickup basketball. So it's, we're, we're competitive dudes coming from the North Shore, but uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited to play them. They're a really good team. And, you know, I'm excited for our guys too. This is going to be a great challenge for us. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Bill Wagner. Bill Wagner. Kenny, um, writing about your new assistant, James Adams, I spoke to Coach Newberry about him, and he was very complimentary. And um, just your thoughts on James, and I know it's been an odd uh, for him to come into the program at this time, but from what I hear, uh, uh, the players like him. And just your, tell me your thoughts on James Adams, and do you feel, he, you know, obviously you hired him. Well, I feel like I, I mean, hit a home run with all the guys they hired, but uh, obviously with Newberry. Um, but I feel like I hit a home run, you know, with with James too, and I'm grateful for that. A lot of his, you know, suggestions of of Coach Newberry and you know some of his suggestions of guys, but just him coming here, um, you know, obviously, you know, losing Brian Norwood, my great high school friend, my dear friend, and a really good coach was really hard. But I feel like we landed in a good spot with him, with James coming. Uh, very similar, just a good person, uh, man of integrity, man of faith, great teacher. Um, but I'm really, really excited to have him. The players love him. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to have him. I'll just say this early on with him and just mark my words on this. I mean, this guy is going places. I hope, hopefully I can keep this guy here a while, but wouldn't be surprised, you know, retired sometime down the road in Hawaii watching games and introducing, you know, the, the head football coach of the Denver Broncos, James Adams. I mean, he's, he's a special, special football coach and he's a great man. Well, I know you're a people person that likes to build relationships. Has it been hard to indoctrinate James into the program because of pandemic, or do you feel like you've gotten to know him well and, you know, built a relationship? Well, as we meet every day, you know what I mean? And so, yes, I've you know, got to know him very well, I believe. And um, Like I said, you know, just kind of a little bit back to Scott, everyone's question, like people are wondering, you know, with football, what are we doing? I mean – really things haven't stopped. Uh, you know, we might do things like this and Zoom, but, you know, your, your job has not stopped. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to have him. Like I said, we've been around each other and coaching you around each other a lot. Uh, right here is more by Zoom, but whether we've had recruiting calls together, so you do football stuff together, but there's also recruiting calls that you do together on Zoom. So you get to hear – Basically, you're at home visits by Zoom, so you get to hear a coach talk to parents and they're the recruit, and you hear of his passion, and you see his interaction with the parents. I've seen him, you know, interactions with our players and the type of young man, a man he is, and so I feel really good about him. Now, obviously, you build more relationship with time, but I feel very comfortable with our relationship.